Welcome to Amalgam, a podcast focusing on creatives and entrepreneurs. You can enjoy the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube. If you would like to get in touch or support the show, please visit AmalgamPodcast.com. Check out the blog for each episode on the Apple News app and follow us on Instagram at Amalgam Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to check out our show and please enjoy this new episode. What's up, everybody? We're here for the ninth episode of the Amalgam Podcast. I'm so happy to bring you Jackson Bevins. He's a writer for Field Goals. He's in his car right now. He's hands-free, but he's joining me. He's in Bellingham. How's it going, Jackson? Uh, it's great, Corbin. Thanks so much for having me, man. Thanks for being here. Uh, I'm real pumped to talk because the draft just happened, and uh, I want to get just right out of the gate. What are your thoughts on our draft so far for the Seahawks? Well, you know, a little bit of context. I've been writing about the Seahawks since uh, Pete Carroll's first year, so I've, I've sort of seen the full arc mm-hmm. from, you know, when they were a team nobody cared about with a coach that everyone thought could not hack it in the NFL right. all the way up through, you know, being a regular contender, one of the top two, three teams in the NFL every year for four or five years in a row. And now during this uh, retooling phase, mm-hmm. and um, I got to say, this is the first draft I've been really excited about in probably four years. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I say that with the caveat that, I, and frankly, I don't think anybody is good at projecting uh, draft class success. Right. Uh, even the people who are paid millions of dollars to do <laughs> it aren't, aren't that good at it statistically. Right. But having paid close attention to the type of players that Seattle has brought in over the last seven years, eight years, um, this reminds me of those early 2011, 2012 draft where they're picking a lot of chip-on-their-shoulders guys, a lot of guys who are extremely productive but didn't come with some of the hype that some of the top picks did. And in the past, that's worked out really, really well for them. Totally. I mean, that's the formula. That was a successful formula for the whole start mm-hmm. of the new, the new dynasty. So It was. This year, I kind of fell off the NFL a little bit for the first time. But, you know, you always hop back in this time of year just because totally. old football coach called it. It's like Christmas. So It absolutely is, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's wild. It's funny, you know, the... I've been writing for that site, Field Goals, for you know during some of those big runs, like I mentioned, and the type of traffic we get on game day, even in the playoffs and on the Super Bowl, is less than the traffic we get during draft weekend. That's crazy. It is. That's, that's so opposite of what you'd expect. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. It is absolutely the biggest uh, weekend of the year in terms of attention paid to the Seahawks. And yeah. probably, that's probably true for just about any team. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, and everybody's chomping at the bit for like some sort of information to discuss Mm -hmm. and analyze. Mm -hmm. So are you watching the NBA playoffs at all right now? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I, the NBA might actually be my favorite league. Uh, You know, just, just, which sucks that Seattle's not a part of it. And, And really part of the only reason that my NBA fanhood has survived that vile transaction between Seattle and Oklahoma City is that I was born and raised a Portland Trailblazers fan. So from a communal standpoint and, you know, every single one of my friends pretty much is a Sonics fan, 
I definitely felt and experienced that pain and, and saw just how terrible it was and, and the way that it was done was so shady. But, you know, I, I was fortunate enough that I didn't lose my team. And, and so I've stayed pretty connected. I, I think the league has gotten incredibly better since Adam Silver took over for David Stern. So, yeah, I've been watching yeah. lots of them. I mean, this is obviously it's my favorite time to watch the NBA. I think that a lot of people can agree with that. But it's, I, you know, I hate that Kyrie's hurt, but I kind of was going to root for Boston this year because Aaron Baines is still there. And I went to WSU. <laughs> so. Right. You know, I'm a I'm a LeBron fan, so I'm always I'm always kind of rooting for him. Yeah, well, that's that's good, man. I I often said that that that's like my intro question if I want to have a sports conversation with someone. <laughs> yeah, that's not how I feel about LeBron. And yeah, if they hit me with some jabroni answer like he's not good or whatever. Like I'm fine if he's not your number one all time, but you know, if the conversation is about you know that he's this or that. That's not good. I, it's like, all right, we, we just don't have a mutually acceptable starting point in talking about sports. So I'm glad to hear that you're a LeBron fan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I try to be like, I try to not be super definitive about players because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, there's so many variables. Like how, you can't, you can't really spend a whole lot of energy trying to get everybody compared perfectly. It's like, just, just watch what's happening now. Like you got to admit it's Thank amazing. You. Thank you. That's just it, man. I can't imagine being blessed enough to watch an athlete like LeBron in his prime and and spend it looking for reasons to hate on him or reasons to say he's not as good as someone else. Like, right. you know, we can we can have that barbershop debate from now until infinity. Who's better between him and Jordan? But exactly. for now, I'm I'm mostly interested in just watching and appreciating what he's doing on a nightly basis i mean it, it really is rewriting the conception possible in basketball exactly yeah and now you know for me i want to know who's going to be the next lebron because and, and again i'm not trying to compare him but like that his type of play his the style of player that he is i mean the next time somebody who plays like him comes along we're all going to be paying just as much attention and, and i'm i don't know my mind's yeah kind of blown yeah. about that the next LeBron thing is is a tough one because there's so many things he does that are so good. I mean, not just on the court. Obviously, you know, he's, he's got a real shot at finishing his NBA's all-time leading scorer. Um, he'll probably finish top three all-time in assists. He'll probably finish top three all-time in steals and and just there's other things right like he's not slowing down it's his 15th season there's no reason to think he doesn't have five great seasons left in him right. anymore so that that sort of longevity is almost impossible he never it's, misses yeah. games he led yeah. the nba in minutes played at you know in his 15th season everything he does is so well you know he's probably a top five passer in the nba and so there's players like ben simmons with philadelphia is probably the closest thing to a LeBron that we've seen in that he's bigger than the guys guarding him, but you can still run the offense through him. Um, he passes, he rebounds, he spreads the floor, he defends, he does all of those things. And like LeBron early in his career, not a great shooter. Uh, but what LeBron has done is basically be the most scrutinized athlete maybe yep. in history yep. since he was 16 years old. And he hasn't slipped up. You know, no. he's been He's been that dude the whole time. I mean, he was given an impossible bar to clear, and, and somehow he's done it. And so even if we see another player that somehow can duplicate 
the plethora of skills at an exceptional level that LeBron has, I, I can't imagine anyone coming up with the type of hype that he had and still surviving it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that dude, heavy lies the crown. Yeah, no no doubt, man. But holy cow, has he yeah. worn it well. Yeah, oh, agreed, 100%. Um, and it sucks that he's just going to get bombed in the finals again <laughs> <laughs> yeah. by either Houston or Golden State. You know, I was really, uh, really hoping they were going to get that we'd get one more finals between Cleveland, Golden State before Durant. You know, it's yeah. like they'd each, they'd each won one. And, that rubber and match would have been amazing for sure. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was like I was telling a buddy. It was like watching Cleveland, Golden State those first two years. It's like watching two brothers who have been wrestling their whole lives yeah. always been an even match and then yeah one day one day one of the brothers shows up and he has a knife and it's like yeah. well yeah okay all right you win <laughs> you yeah, know that's dude. that's kevin that's what happens when you had kevin durant to the best team in the nba so oh um, exactly is a giant you know, and, and bowie knife dude totally and it's gonna happen again this year there's just no way lebron is gonna drag that ymca team to a series <laughs> victory over the Warriors or the Rockets, and and the detractors are going to say, "Oh, we lost in the finals again." You know, proves yeah. it's not as good, and that's that's too bad. But um, yeah. you know, I got no, I got no misconceptions that this is a championship team. I just think playoff LeBron is my favorite thing in sports, and so as right. many games of that as I can get, I'm happy with. No, 100% agreed. Shifting gears back a little bit to the cigar thoughts. When did you say you started? How long have you been? When, right when Pete Carroll took over. So like yeah, 2011, so, 2010? Yep, 2010 is when okay. I started formally writing about Seahawks. I mean, I had my own little WordPress blog or whatever for for years before I got picked up by a couple of bigger sites and then eventually field goals. Um, but cigar thoughts didn't start okay. until four years ago. You know, at that time, I was just working a job selling gym memberships and really enjoyed that. But it, it wasn't a job that took up a ton of my time. My 40 hours, I could do whatever okay. I wanted outside of that. And, and so I wrote a lot, you know, four or five articles a week on whatever oh, wow. I like writing about. Um, and then as I got busier and grew up and got more into the entrepreneurial lifestyle that takes up uh, a lot more of your time, um, <laughs> I, I slowly pared it down. And about four years ago, I started writing a post-game article that I called Cigar Thought simply because I would always smoke a cigar while I was writing them. It was sort of my my okay. way of okay. processing the game and, and all that. So I've been doing that for about four years. It posts usually within an hour, half, two hours at the end of each game. And that sort of okay. has become my thing. It's become my branding. It's what folks associate me with as a writer. And so I, I pretty much just do that. So your process for each game, are you – you say you posted one to two hours right after the game. So are you yeah. – writing as you watch or are you fully enjoying the game and then you write in that hour and a half and boom you publish yeah you know um that has been kind of an evolving process what has been what's difficult about it is it's, it's hard to write about the seahawks and still truly enjoy the game like when you're writing a, a post-game article okay. I mean, these things are usually 2500 to 3000 words and i self-edit you know i that's that's okay. not time to run it past an editor so i have no. to write it edit it, make sure it still sounds good. And when you're writing that many words that fast about something that just happened, it's, it's difficult to keep it all straight and still have it be entertaining and insightful and all the things that I try to have it be. But I've gotten a lot better at it over the last few years. So now, basically just draw up an outline during the game, of bullet points I want to hit. Um, if a specific description of a player or a play pops into my head that I like, I'll write okay. that down. And so basically what I've got at the end are a bunch of different patches 
all over my page. And then I go through and sew those together into an article. Okay. And yeah, and so that allows me to get it done usually in about 90 minutes. Wow. That's really impressive, honestly. And self-editing well, and everything. You. <laughs> that's, you know, I just employed my sister. I mean, I'm not paying her, but she's, <laughs> she's going to be editing my blog posts now, hopefully. Yeah. Just because, cool. uh, you know, you, you got so many different things on your mind. And you do. Um, it's tough to just, like you said, that, that clear, cohesive, organized message. Which I, I do want to ask, do you have a structure for each article? Like, do you have, um, like for me, for the podcast, I have the resources section at the end that I make right. sure I get in there. Right. Do you have anything like that? or It would probably make it easier if I did. Um, but I think one of the appeals of the column is that it is pretty free form. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've done, I've done post game poems before. I've I've had okay. four thousand word articles. I've had eight hundred word articles. You know, okay. it's, one of the things I'm proud of is at least to me when I go back and read it, and I'll reread even old articles, and and it feels like it was an authentic reaction to the game, which which was not contrived at all. It's very much in the moment, and. I think that's helped its popularity. So no, I don't have a structure. <laughs> okay, cool. No, that's great. You've been doing this for a few years now, and you mentioned that you wrote uh, well before that. But in the last few years, how has your writing evolved, or what have you seen yourself sort of change? I pick my spots a lot better now. I think at the beginning, I've I've always had a relationship with language that's been really good. I've, I've understand, understood it well from a young age and have always been obsessed with word games and, and mm-hmm. puns and, yeah. and making lingual connections that maybe wouldn't normally be there. And so as I started to get better at that was when I really first started writing for field goals and I didn't have any restraint. And so I used every play on words that came to my head and I go back and I okay. read them and it's just like, holy cow, man, it's like walking through wet cement. Like just say what you're trying to say. <laughs> and and so I'm I'm better now at picking, you know, half a dozen to a dozen spots throughout an article to to kind of show off a little bit with some wordplay and, and that kind of things or with real visceral imagery. Mm-hmm. And I'm better now at just telling the story of the game and kind of getting out of the way and realizing, okay, people might like my writing, but they're not really here for me. They're here for the Seahawks, so I need to get out of the way. That's um a, an interesting balance to learn to play mm-hmm. with um is that how much this is you you know and, and for me i kind of relate it to the podcast this is me but it's not about me so be yourself right. make it original um make it entertaining but you know no one to take the back seat right and i am and that's still a learning process i would not say i have arrived in that regard yet right. but it's it's something that i'm efforting to be better at has there been any memorable responses to a particular article you published yeah i mean probably the the biggest one was earl thomas quoted well, the article on his page and he posted it on his on his facebook and on his twitter and his instagram and all that that was pretty cool yeah for those of you who don't know earl thomas is a the safety for the Seahawks, you know, Jackson can give you his credentials. Player. Yeah, he's, I mean, Earl Thomas is my favorite football player. Yeah. Full, full stop. So that would have been cool for any Seahawk to do, but for him to have done it specifically is pretty amazing. And, and it's, it's cool. And I've, I, some of the other articles just receiving, you know, private messages, um, either texts or, or, you know, Twitter DMs from people who actually write about the Seahawks for a living, you know, the beat reporters, the guys who are in the, Mm-hmm. Locker rooms and, mm-hmm. and saying, you know, hey, I really liked how you wrote that article, or 
you know, I wish I had the freedom to write an article the way that you do, that kind of thing. Oh, wow, those, dude. Those, yeah, those those are really cool to see. And it's opened up a lot of connections with the more formal Seattle media okay. where, you know, we can get together and grab a drink or have a phone conversation and kind of learn a little bit behind the scenes stuff, which is always really, really cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's an amazing opportunity. It is, yeah. Yeah, I feel super fortunate in that regard. You mentioned before your writing style and a lot of visual imagery that you described. Mm-hmm. Where do you draw that kind of inspiration from? Is it in, You've mentioned before you've had a way with words your entire life. Is there a particular person or something that you, you, you pull inspiration from? No question, it's my mom. My mom is, is, has that relationship with words. She's a missionary's kid born and raised in Bolivia, and so oh, wow. all she had, all she had was books for the first 18 years of her life. So she right. read voraciously and she developed a love for language because her books were her friends by and large, most of her childhood. And so she noticed, a, an aptitude in me when I was really young and really encouraged it. So, I mean, she had me, you know, I was reading when I was three years old. I was reading upside down at five years old. I, <laughs> I just, I just had an understanding of, of words, written words at a young age. And so what that allowed for was an exposure to some higher level literature at a young age. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember she, her introducing me to Tolkien when I was six years old. The first, oh, first wow. real book I read was, was the Hobbit. And I, of course I didn't understand most of it, but I could read right. it. And so I think to have my formative language years sort of here here i am <laughs> i'm forgetting a word no, uh, right. <laughs> uh, to, to have it be inspired by higher level writing that uses such phenomenal imagery mm-hmm. um i think made it more natural for me and then you know at night if i couldn't sleep what my mom would do is throw me up on her shoulders and we'd rock around the block and we'd just play word games and she she'd say things like bear how many how many different ways can you use bear in a sentence and i would oh, try wow. and see if i could think of other ways besides the animal to use bear in a sentence you know stuff like that i absolutely credit her for that so what about a favorite journalist or author do you have somebody that you've read pretty much all their stuff yeah so um there's a few so my my current inspirations um probably my favorite writer right now is a guy named Shay Serrano and uh, okay. he writes he writes about sports and pop culture for Bill Simmons' website, The Ringer. He also has two best-selling books out, The Rap Yearbook and Basketball and Other Things. And he is just the epitome of a free-form, write-what-I-want-to-write. And if you do that, you have to be really good. You, you mm-hmm. have to make it entertaining, and you have to make it stick. And, and he's amazing at that. Probably the most influential person for me – um, as a sports writer was Jeff Sullivan, who writes for Fangraphs now, but he ran the Mariner site Lookout Landing for about nine years and broke all the rules for sports writing for me. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, his his ability to step in and out of reality while tying a game story together is still unparalleled, in my opinion. Okay. Um, and so he definitely gave permission to me to use my voice not not personally i mean he and i have never really spoken but right um, but just leading by example right? yeah to see like hey this can be done this way and mm-hmm. people can like it if you do it well enough and then from you know the best writer 
in history, or at least that I've been exposed to, is Victor Hugo. And okay. and so, you know, I, I gobbled up everything that I could by him. And then, of course, there's we go on and on with, with great authors, but right. those are probably the ones with the most profound impact on my writing style. On, on your style? Okay. Mm-hmm. I've I've read a lot of Tom Clancy. Have you ever read much of him? Oh, yeah. Okay. Tom Clancy's great. <laughs> Absolutely. That is one way I can't, I cannot write like that. The ability to tell, to create characters in a story is a skill beyond me. And the technical knowledge that he puts in his books is is, just like, man, how much research did you have to do for this? Sometimes the stories are like you're trying to get to the story and you try to get through the technical stuff. But honestly, Mm. that is the beauty of those books is you you walk away educated and entertained. And so totally. totally. Yeah. He, um, you know, I went through the Jack Ryan series. Um, you know, that arc, but it got a little, little drug a little bit towards the middle of one of the books that was like 1400, 1500 pages. But, you know, it was a three series arc that was like, I want to say almost 5,000 pages. And it was amazing. Is That's uh, incredible. Yeah. That so is it, incredible. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, and it taught me and digressing a little bit, but I mean, the, the first one of the three books that started out was a uh, debt of honor. It starts out and he's explaining the computers, you know, back in the 80s or whenever he wrote the book, early 90s, uh, how the computer systems that ran the stock market exchange or the exchanges right. starts off and someone f- hacks them and everything. But he explains how it's done, in my opinion, from a computer science or computer engineering level. And it's like, man, I know you didn't go to school for this. <laughs> like, right. you, How many consultants did you speak about with just this one section? So It's incredible. If you could write, so you mentioned writing fiction would be difficult for you and creating a universe in a world with characters. Mm-hmm. But if you could write something else, uh, what what would it be? A novel about a fantasy football league. Really? What yep. would a general story be? Well, it would be one, thought about this a little bit. It would be a one season book where, you know, the connection between all the characters is that they're in the same fantasy football league. But it would be more about the things that are happening in their lives, right? Yeah. And um, it's a group of guys who've been in the same league together for 20 years. And since they were in high school and now they're in their older age and they got families and mm-hmm. careers and all these things. And so, yeah, yeah, there's no question. That's what I would write if I ever delved into fiction. And I've written short stories for friends. And, you know, I've, I've written oh, a awesome. few, you know, 100-page novellas or whatever just as like kind of practice exercises but um i've never tried a full-blown novel oh okay so in addition to cigar thoughts what else are you working on right now well from a writing standpoint that's that's about it outside of some of the marketing that we do for that my wife and i do for our businesses so what i do most of the time is uh, a real I'm, I'm a realtor so is my wife up here in bellingham and uh, in fact, I'm going to have to step out here in a second and oh, right. chat with my client. But yep. um, yeah, so we've been been doing that, and um, and that's awesome. That keeps us very busy. And what I love about real estate is each transaction is its own unique puzzle, and all the pieces are dynamic because they're they're people and they're financial, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. those are things that change a lot, and kind of have to have the ability to take all of those things and move with them. And, and still put a transaction together that is very emotional for a lot of folks and oh, yeah. can be really stressful. And, and so Absolutely. to be that advocate for them in, in what for many of them is the biggest decision they've ever made uh, is supremely rewarding. 
Yeah. Oh, I, I can imagine. We've uh, bought a couple of houses. We're in our second home. And that process, you know, the first Congrats, time it was. Man. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it's the first time it was it was definitely a learning experience. And by the second time, you know, you feel much better about it. But it's mm -hmm. still everything, every little thing. And I don't have to it's, tell you that. It's amazing. I, I, you know, the actual, I think there's a lot of folks who see realtors as just toll takers on the road mm -hmm. to buying a house, you know, it's just right. like, Oh, well, I guess we got to pay this guy for some reason. And it's like, well, maybe, but if that's how you feel, you, you got to, sorry, mm -hmm. am I allowed to say that on here? Oh, it's, uh, no, it's all right. I'll, <laughs> I'll take it out. Don't worry about it. It's uh, a, my apologies. No, it's uh, okay. It's okay. But you know, a, a good realtor and there's, there are a lot of good realtors and, and you guys out there should use a real, especially on the buyer side, cause you're not paying them. The seller's paying. But right. even when you're selling, Use a good realtor, interview a few, mm -hmm. find out what their game plan is for you and go with the one you feel most comfortable with because it will make a huge difference in your success and enjoyment of the process. And um, and so when when a client does trust you with it, man, the, the feeling is just that I got to do as well as I possibly can for these folks. And, uh, and mm -hmm. that does not get old. Awesome. Well, do you want me to do you want me to let you hop out now, and we can yeah reconnect yeah let in a me minute? um yeah absolutely I will uh, give you a heads up as soon as we're done, and we'll pick this up where we left off. Yeah, just shoot me a text, and I'll give you a buzz. All right, sounds great, Corbin. Talk All right, soon. thanks. So we just reconnected after a little break. You had to speak with a client. You're working on some real estate right now. What's a typical day like for you, and how busy are you throughout your day? You know that is a difficult one to answer because it truly varies day by day you know like today uh i've got a new listing going live which so i just went out and met with the client one last time make sure he's ready for you know all the attention that his place is about to get and make sure that we're communicating well get the lockbox on its door and, mm -hmm. and go over the last few couple of things and then you know i've got some buyer clients that i'm going to be previewing some homes for and then there's always marketing stuff and outreach stuff to stay on top of. So it's one of those things where you can work all of the time if you want to. There's always things okay. that, that can be done. The, the challenge comes uh, in managing that time, you know, and, and finding the balance or, or maybe balance is the wrong word, finding an interplay between your work life and your personal life that allows you to still enjoy life outside of work, but also still enjoy work. And, and I do love mm -hmm. work. So, you know, I do try and carve out day times in my day where I can go golfing or um, there'll be times where I'll just make sure all of my clients are aware that I'm going to be unavailable after 6 p.m. and I'm going to hang out with mm -hmm. my wife or I'm going to go watch basketball with a buddy or whatever it ends up being right. because that's the stuff that, for me, makes life really enjoyable or take a weekend trip somewhere and know that, hey, I will be on the grid, but I won't be in town. It's communication mm -hmm. is, is absolutely the key to being successful and in, in trying to be an entrepreneur and, and still not have it completely consume you. And some folks prefer right. to have it completely consume them and, and they either have massive success or major burnout or both as a result. Um, for me, I'm definitely trying to see this as a lifetime approach and, mm -hmm. and, and sort of pace myself while still, being highly focused and highly productive during that work time. So today I get to blend business to pleasure. I'm, I'm going golfing with a current client and someone I'm hoping will be a future client. And 
that's going to be awesome, right? Um, How's the weather in Bellingham? Oh, it's going to be perfect today, man. It's going to be like 68 and sunny. Can't wait. Oh, beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah, sunny Bellingham, tough to beat. Yeah, and, you know, and and my wife is is a phenomenal example of someone who's had tremendous success with a more all-out approach because on top of – Okay. Real estate, and, and she's already one of the um, higher-producing real estate agents in the county, despite only doing it for a couple of years. Wow. Her and her brother own and run a flooring company, and that takes up a great deal of her attention um, as well. And so okay. she, one, has the natural ability and drive to do both of those things on an extremely high level. She's also just got an incredible stamina for work. It, mm-hmm. it energizes her. Uh, and so... You know, I've seen her go on runs of three, four straight weeks working every day, oftentimes 10, 12 hours a day, and, wow. and, and she loves it. And she's learning now that, okay, that can't do that forever, and she's learning to carve out time for herself and, and that sort of thing as well. So we're a good balance that way. You know, sometimes I need a kick in the butt, and all I have to do is look over at her because she is constantly kicking butt. Uh, and sometimes she yeah. needs to chill out, and so yeah. I'm, I'm kind of – good for her that way and i think between the two of us i mean heck we've been working together for 10 years at various various jobs and and business opportunities so we understand each other really well and know when to defer to each other and stuff so uh, i think we're both better off for it it sounds great sounds like you guys are and i hate to keep using the word balance over and over but i mean that's what it sounds like it sounds like you guys are motivating and in a nice balance for each other yeah, it, it is, but it, it takes a lot of intention to do that. It, it does not come naturally at all. We right. we have to work, you know, as hard at making sure she and I are communicating well as we do at making sure that we're communicating with our, our clients and other realtors and other business people. Right, of course. How's the beginning of the season treating you as you, as you prepare for a new football season in, in mm-hmm. writing? What are you doing now to prepare for that? Or have you been doing this long enough that you feel you're ready to go as soon as the game starts? I start? don't do anything in the offseason these days. <laughs> I, I actually really relish the six months where I'm not writing just because to do it well does take a lot. Yeah. Uh, focus and and it means pulling that energy and focus from something else and I'm happy to do that 20 right. times a year during the season but I, I really do enjoy not doing it that being said I'm definitely staying up mm-hmm. on what's going on you know um, the majority of, of my course, of social media feed is still um, sports centric and within that Seahawks take up the bulk I'm fascinated by the team and all of that but you know I think that once the season gets going, usually I, I like to treat the preseason like my preseason and start writing some articles and okay. and approaching things that way. And and I'll I'll notice my first couple articles of the year because I do take so much time off between formally writing for an audience. It takes me a little bit to get my sea legs back and to get into sort of playing shape as a mm-hmm. writer. So, um, but yeah, I mean I'm all, I'm following it all really closely and I I stay really active on Twitter. Um, that's sort of my that's my main audience and uh you know i definitely stay a part of the conversation there yeah real quick just while you mentioned that if people wanted to get in touch with you what's the easiest way to do that uh honestly twitter's probably the most direct way and my handle is just my name which is jackson without a k just remember that no k is okay (laughs) last name is bevin so it's j-a-c-s-o-n-b-e-v E N S. Yeah, you're free to find me on there, and that's 
probably your best way to reach out and say what's up. Okay, cool. You know, one thing I noticed about the draft and everybody's big story, and it would be for any team, is the Griffin brothers. When you see linebacker like that who's and he broke combine records right he broke a record or two as far as was it 40 yard dash is that the only thing that he broke or was it am i just incompletely or am i completely wrong here no you know i actually lost you for for a few seconds there so i'm gathering are you talking about oh. shakim yeah i'm talking about shakim i'm i was just wanted to ask he set some records for linebackers in the combine right uh you know i wouldn't so wouldn't surprise me. Um, I, I don't know for sure if if his forty time, um, which I think was four point three eight, was a record. But if it's not, it's really close. But I do know that you know okay. what what he did at the combine just blew people away. And let's let's be real. Mm-hmm. If he had two hands, he's a first round draft pick. Mm-hmm. The, it's not like he's just some great athlete. And it's like, oh man, he's but he's got that one hand, so he kind of struggles with football. It's like he was insanely productive this past year, mm-hmm. and I, I did watch a lot of his tape, and and I'm not a big tape watcher, but he's such a fascinating guy that okay. I've watched a lot of him, and and I watched a few UCF games just because of him, and he was the best defensive player on the field at all times, even with the one hand. So, uh, I mean, I've I've never been more excited about a draft pick. In my life, uh, and the fact that he's going to be playing with his twin brother is just unreal. Oh, it's yeah, the the morale. I mean, our team has to be together. You know, they have to feel like they want to want to help each other and protect each other. And so, that's going to be amazing to watch, and amazing to watch the chemistry and everything develop. With not just him and his brother, but with him and the other linebackers. Yep. I mean, you know, but him with Bobby is going to be so much fun to watch. Totally. It's going to be out of control. Totally, man. I mean, and that's just it. Is is you know really in this draft they've gone back to targeting those players who have been doubted and who have to be extremely mm-hmm. motivated and extremely high energy in order to have the same type of success that some of the more highly touted prospects have and so yep. i'm excited to see a young crop with actual starting spots available you know one of the other things that gets overlooked uh. with you know the lack of success that seattle's had in the draft over the past three four years is you know all of a sudden they were drafting onto a team that had no starting spots available for rookies hardly at all mm-hmm. outside of the offensive mm-hmm. line you know you've got you've got studs at every position because they drafted so well 2010 through 2012 and then they re-signed all their guys that is like yep you know it's a combination of drafting late in every round because of the success that they'd have in the season and they're not being really very many spots on the roster certainly not very many starting spots for these new guys to come in and really have success so this year mm-hmm. with how many players that have kind of been synonymous with seattle's success that are moving on you know michael bennett richard sherman cliff averill uh, most likely camp chancellor jimmy graham i mean this is paul richardson yep. these are a lot of starting spots that are available now yep. and um and so i'm really excited to see how the young guys do one thing i and i kind of was waiting for this to go i know we're kind of talking about the seahawks a lot but i don't get to do this on my podcast that often <laughs> so i'm gonna take it. advantage of it, it. Yeah. yeah but you know everybody should have seen this coming should have seen a restructuring of the franchise coming at some point you don't just get to go to the super bowl in the playoffs every single year um, when you're paying guys as much as you're paying, I'm excited for the new for the new generation. You know, Richard Sherman, he was my favorite 
So mm-hmm. that hurt to see yep. him leave. Totally. You know, totally. When you still got players like Bobby and you still got players like Earl, those are the people like when you're talking about watching the Griffin brother mm-hmm. play at UCF and he's the best defensive player on the team. Like it's hard to do that when you watch the Seahawks because they're the number one defense pretty much every year. But yep. you know, when you see Bobby and you see uh, Earl run around, like you already know, you know, you just you can just tell yep. when somebody flies in and you're like, I didn't catch the number, but I'm pretty sure I know who that is. Like, yeah. They're all over the place. Yes. Every play. And what I'll miss about Sherm is I will miss when you see the opposing quarterback throw a bomb to his side. Mm-hmm. And you know how the camera takes a second to catch up to mm-hmm. the corner and the receiver. I'll miss that feeling of like, oh, I don't need to worry about that. You totally. Know? Totally agree, man. It was just, oh, they did not just throw it up there to that side. Well, I can't believe they would even well, try that. The thing okay. is they just stopped doing that. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. that just hasn't happened the last two or three years. Teams have completely stopped trying to go deep on Sherman's side or to the middle of the field because of him and Earl. It's just, you're right. It's, it, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how this defense plays now without Sherman over there locking down on entire third of the field. Tired. Yep, yep. Do you ever reach out, try and get some additional information to include in your articles? Like, do you ever ask about, like, if a, something happened with a player in a game and you want to expand on that? Do you ever, do you have people or contacts you get in touch with, or is this just all you? Uh, I'm sorry, run, run that by me again, Corbin? Oh, that's okay. When, when you're writing your articles, do you ever, like, contact other writers or other journalists to get to kind of get a uh, get some more information or get a different perspective, or is it do you just write, you edit, and then you publish? Um, I kind of do that throughout the week. If there's like a interesting subplot, like you know, whatever okay. whatever headline some player is is making these days, uh, you know, because for the last few years, every time I'd see you know, as much as I love Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett mm-hmm. if, if I heard yeah. that you know if I saw they were trending on trending on Twitter in the middle of the week I would kind of cringe a little bit because yeah. you didn't know which which direction that story was going to go <laughs> and no I, I get that for so sure for stuff like that yeah I'd reach out through the week to some of the people who are more plugged in and oftentimes be able to get an answer but you know when I'm actually writing no I don't I don't how you even have a chance to come up for air it's just a, a full-on yeah. blitz until that thing's done that's really cool that you do it that way I mean, that's so <laughs> impressive uh shifting gears a little bit mm-hmm. what just to catch this before we run out of time do you have any resources you'd like to share yeah so i think to be a really smart educated football fan if that is if that is the goal a couple writers that are worth following and reading all their stuff are danny kelly uh, who's at the ringer and Mina Kimes at ESPN is really great to hear. We got Bill Barnwell, also for ESPN, does a tremendous job. And for Seahawks-specific coverage, Danny O'Neill and Brady Henderson are excellent. Okay. Danny O'Neill and Brady Henderson. Among others, right? I mean, I could keep going. Bob Kandata is great. Or you know, uh, Greg Bell is great. There's a lot of really good ones. Mike Duger and, and Stephen Cohen. I mean, Seattle's been pretty blessed with the guys that they've had covering their team over the last five, six years. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you'd like to, to share or announce that you got working on right now? Or is there anything else you want to get into before we close out this episode? Yeah, you know, it's probably a little, it's too early to, to probably talk about it publicly, but um, there's, there's potentially exciting 
opportunity for my writing uh, down the road with a little bit of a bigger market. And so awesome. um, I don't want to jinx it, but uh, yeah, if it comes right. to fruition, I'd be happy to <laughs> come back on and talk about it. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Okay, cool. I like the, I like the suspense. I, um, and I, and I definitely want to do that. I definitely want to circle back with guests when they've got new developments or new projects or new things that, you know, cause it's a, it's really exciting to talk about stuff in the moment. Um, and everything's fresh. Everything's kind of moving in a million directions. So it's really easy to kind of get into conversation about that kind of stuff. Yeah, man. Well, I, I really enjoy being on, so I, I'd be honored to have another opportunity in the future. I, I hope everybody can tell that Jackson's literally working right now while he's recording this podcast. So it's a huge favor <laughs> of you to just take the time to record with me. And I, I really enjoy this conversation. And, and for like the second or third time, I've literally met somebody while recording an episode. So it's a really fun way to get to know somebody. Is like, all right, we're going to record this and publish it afterwards. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. No, man, not, not a favor at all. I was looking forward to this. I'm really glad you reached out. Well, Jackson, enjoy the rest of your Friday. Good luck to your work and enjoy your weekend. And I'll be in touch and we'll, uh, we'll catch up again. Awesome, man. Thank you, Corbin. All right, take care.